At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. to the Cryptid Keeper podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And Addison, I have to apologize. I was slightly late on our recording time today on account of I was watching Rick from the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen make pupusas. Aw. It was nice. He's like a very soothing presence to watch. Um, And then I had to transition all of my notes from my phone to my computer because of our current recording setup. But uh, you know all of that already. But I I did want to bring that good pupusa energy into our space today. What kind? What fillings? Um, It was like refried red beans and um, cheese, I think like a Oaxaca or something. It was really, really, really delicious looking. Oh, that sounds good. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like the pupusas themselves were made from like a really delicious looking masa harina dough. So it was just all very excellent. Ugh. Yeah, I'm going big, big to pupusas now. Yeah, and it's like very mesmerizing to watch. I'm sorry for anybody who tuned in and was expecting anything other than a BA Test Kitchen review podcast, but um, I, I adore them all. Everybody in the BA Test Kitchen is my best friend, but watching Rick work is very soothing because not only does he have like a very calm voice and like very steady hands, but his nails are painted like a bright, beautiful blue most of the time. And so while he's watching, you're, like, getting all of this excellent visual ASMR of, like, the hands folding the pupusa dough, Aww. but also they're, like, the flashes of blue. It's, it's just really, really wonderful aesthetic experience. I love that. That's so sweet. Yeah, very pleasing sensations all the way around. <laughs> so how are you? That's, that's me today. Oh, I'm good. I uh, pretty much, like, woke up and then I immediately did this, uh, but... There you go. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good day to have. I am still living that freelancer life, which means that my day-to-day schedule is very weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I get that. I don't know what a set sleep schedule is. I haven't known. I haven't seen her in years. <laughs> Who is she? There hasn't been a proper sleep schedule here in 30 years. That, um, that has been me for the past several years, and now I'm in this position of suddenly trying to change literally everything about that situation in the span of like 30 days so that's a lot I've, I've got a lot of things happening all at once um all good things all very good things which i am quite thrilled to report but also very very many things so we out here we doing it um we're gonna be in chicago next week which is actually this week by the time this episode goes up which is wild oh this is the last episode of the cryptid keeper pre-live show right or well, well, we'll probably record. Are you gonna have one next week? No, I was gonna say like. Uh, th- speaking of which, there will not be a an episode mm-hmm. up next Sunday because we will be performing in Chicago next right. weekend. Um, and I don't think we'll have that episode up within a twenty four hour no. turnaround. That would not be fair to Val, who will also be on vacation in Chicago. Yes, exactly. So yeah, we are going to try to make sure that that gets recorded and put up, though. So that will probably be not next week's episode, but the week after. Yes, exactly. So we'll get today's episode and then a bye week and then 
um, live show coming at you. Hopefully, if you're not able to make it out to see us in person, we hope that you are. There are still some tickets left. You can get those by going to bit.ly slash cryptcamlive, uh, C-R-Y-P-T-C-A-M-L-I-V-E. Yes. Which is, of course, a reference to our live show with the Campaign Podcast. If you've not listened to Campaign Skyjacks, you should. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I'll try to leave any other salesmanship to the uh, to the end of the episode. Are you ready to jump in? Talk about a wacky friend with me? Oh, sure am. Sure am. Let's go. Cool, cool, cool. Friend um, is a bit of an ambiguous term in this case. There is some debate surrounding that. Perhaps a frenemy. A friend. Yeah, that's actually... This is a frenemy. Oh. As far as cryptids go, this one is a frenemy. Oh. Do they tell me they like my outfit and then go whisper with their friends about how much my outfit is terrible? Maybe. That kind of feels like the energy a little bit. Um, so I know that prior to this, most of the times that we have dipped our toes into Filipino lore, um, it has been your turn at bat, but I thought I would take a swing at it today okay. with the capre. I don't know what that is. Do you? I don't. <laughs> Oh, well, then we're going to have a real fun time. Um, I did send you a, a screen cap earlier of something I found while I was researching the Capre. Did you get it? I did. I did get that screenshot. <laughs> it's a lot. Should I tell that them what it br- says? <laughs> I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'd rather our poor listeners were not, were not privy to that energy. All right. We'll come so across. I, it'll be a mystery. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do want to throw a content warning on this episode up front. I'm not intending to dwell on it too much, but there will be some description of uh, gendered violence and of some particularly unsettling sort of possessive relationship dynamics sort of implicit in talking about the Capre. Um, okay. Not in like... Uh, Well, okay, sometimes more overt than others, but there is a sort of tendency in stories involving the Capre to get into um, violence that can be somewhat intimate in nature, as well as certain dynamics involving a predilection for specifically women and some possessiveness involving potential victims. So Mm, just be aware of those dynamics going in. Thank you. Um, Like I said. It's not something we're going to dwell on. That's not the the main bulk of what we'll be talking about today. And again, stories are mixed. Some people find this creature to be particularly benign, uh, that it has no ill will in its large hairy body, but other people report on it being somewhat malicious. So All we'll right. get into that. We'll sort of discuss the ins and outs, um, but nothing too terribly graphic. So now I have a bit of a cue that it has a large and hairy body. It does. He very tall. He very hairy. Uh, let's chat a little bit up front about what exactly the Capre is or looks like. Please. One clue that you already have that our friends do not is that there's a lot of comparison to the Bigfoot. So the Capre is unlikely to be a Bigfoot, but it certainly does have some similarities. According to Wikipedia, the Capra is described most simply as a Philippine mythical creature that could be characterized as a tree giant. It's described as being about seven to nine feet tall, big, black, hairy, muscular creature. Capra are normally described as having a strong smell that would catch human attention. So that is a noticeable factor of the Capra and its presence. Oh, probably worth bringing up the skunk ape then if we're talking about that. Definitely. Although here's something fun about the Capre. 
the smell may be the Capra itself, or it may be one of the large cigars that the Capra is always smoking. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So what I gave you is a fairly vanilla description of the Capra. A more accurate or more interesting description would run thusly. The Capra is a seven to nine foot tall hairy tree giant that chills out in the treetops smoking very large cigars. He has glowing red eyes and smells weird. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, the Capri is wild. Does he also wear a bowler hat and a pinstriped suit? Like, (laughs) um, I think you're maybe getting the wrong energy from the Capri. I think maybe the energy from the Capri you should be getting is hangs out in the corner of the dive bar insisting that he plays guitar better than whoever's on stage that night. (laughs) Okay, fair. I was projecting a certain classiness onto the subject of cigars. Yeah, I think maybe not so much. I haven't known a lot of cigar smokers, so, like, full disclosure, I think the only association I have with people who smoke cigars are, like, J. Jonah Jameson from (laughs) Spider-Man and, like, old-timey mafiosos. There, Yeah, there is also a different demographic of a cigar smoker, which I'm surprised you weren't aware of, although I guess it really doesn't shock me because we were in different... Um, in different sort of circles in the early stages of our college career, which is um, people in the music departments who smoke cigars exactly at once when they have, like, slightly too much cash in their pockets and don't know what to do with it. I don't talk to musicians. Yeah, well, that's probably probably a safe bet. (laughs) That's not a completely hard and fast rule, but, like, as a general way by which I live my life, I don't talk to musicians. Especially since you're in L.A., I think that's safe safe living. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, anyway, no, we're thinking more like cigar hipster than cigar businessman. Right. You said he smells weird. I should have picked up on that. <laughs> he like doesn't wash his hair. He does like apple cider vinegar rinses only, but like also doesn't use any right, soap. Exactly. And also he's like all hair. So it doesn't he's really. He's like, oh, I'm co-washing, but doesn't actually know what co-washing is. He just like read the term once in a listicle. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so let's get a little bit further into the Capre situation here. Capres are said to dwell in primarily big trees that are native to the area, like acacias, mangoes, bamboo, and banyan trees. Okay. Um, a lot of times they're depicted in artwork as sitting up in the treetops, like nestled among the leaves, sort of chilling up there. But they can also be seen sitting under the trees, like backs up against the tree trunk sort of situation. Both of those are, um, they are exceedingly chill. Yeah, yeah, very chill energy for the most part. The Capra is said to wear a particular garment of clothing known as the bahag, which is a loincloth, and not much Wait. else. It wears clothes? Oh, it wears a cloth. <laughs> it does not wear <laughs> clothes. <laughs> okay, I'm really sorry to interrupt this very bizarre journey that we're on, but I need to tell this story. I don't think I've told this before on the show about just what... This is an Addison was a weird child story. Okay. And when I was, like, pretty small, like, young enough that I, like, was very new to speech, but old enough that I was forming sentences, so probably, like, toddler uh-huh. adjacent... Um. Sure. But I apparently, I, I have very little memory of this, but I apparently very insistently like created sort of essentially a linguistic rule. Like I, I had an understanding of the difference between plurals and singulars, but I didn't really know where that rule applied. So I, sure, yeah. I very insistently would refer to singular items of clothing as a clow. That's very good. I like it. So, I, so there were clothes and there was mm-hmm. a clow. Yep. So yep, that makes um, sense to me. Yes. So this particular creature wears a clow. <laughs> 
that's like when I was little, something that I did very frequently is um, contractions were hard for me because they don't follow consistent rules. Yeah. I, I was a child who, like, I picked up on language and, like, math and things very quickly as long as they followed rules. As soon mm-hmm. as those rules went out the window, I was, like, very stressed out and irritated. So a <laughs> contraction that I used a lot as a child would be amant. Like, <laughs> she isn't interested in that. I amant interested in that. I um, love that so much. Which makes sense, right? It does. <laughs> anyway, so he wears one cloth. He wears a single cloth. He, he wears, wears a cloth. loincloth. A loincloth. He wears a clo. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for respecting now, it, my rules. In addition to the loincloth, in some versions, he also wears a, f- a special belt, which mm. gives the Capri the ability to be invisible to humans. No. Uh huh. Yep. Sorry. Um, I think loincloth and belt is a really fresh look. I think more people should be jumping on that train. Well, nobody gets to see his super fresh look if he's wearing a belt that makes him invisible. That's true. Um, so yeah, in pretty much all stories that I found, the Capre is or can choose to be invisible to humans. Um, in some stories, that's because of this belt. In others, it just seems to be a latent ability. Mm, don't like that. I was going to say, I don't like the invisibility aspect. I don't like it at all, because here's mm-hmm. the thing. I've noticed, I've noticed something throughout media uh, in my very brief time on this earth. I've noticed a trend, which is that when people get invisibility, their first instinct is to just be a real creep with it. Oh, yeah. Um, just be a real creep about you it. You are, this will not go away as we discuss the Capri, I will tell you that. Cool. Can't wait to hear about the Capri sneaking yeah. into the girls' locker room. <laughs> I'm, this will not go away as we are talking about the Capri. Now, before we get too much further into it, there is something that I need to address about the Capri, which is that, okay. um, like most other creatures that you discuss, the origins of its sort of appearance and presentation um, are inherently mingled with the culture in a specific way. In this case, there are definitely racist overtones surrounding the description of the Capri in the way that it appears and possibly in the way that it behaves, and I don't want to not mention those. Now, because we talk about things on this podcast from the explicit angle of, like, we are discussing this thing as if it completely, totally, 100% exists, I just want to make it clear that, like, we are talking about this creature from the standpoint of it being a real creature that is its own thing. But I also don't want to overlook the fact that when we're talking about this thing, the history of it is definitely wrapped up in, um, just etymologically speaking, some very not cool things. So the term capre comes from some earlier words um, that mean essentially very dark-skinned people. And so when Mm. you, like, and it's a complicated etymological history. The word, like, went through a few different transitions. And originally was describing specific ethnic groups. Um, and so I don't want to get into talking about this creature that, like, is dark-skinned and predatory and has, like, kind of dreadlocky hair and not acknowledge that. But I do think that the creature itself is worth exploring just from the mythological standpoint. Right. So, again, I didn't want to not acknowledge that that exists and that that is a true part of how the words themselves at least came to be. Um, but I also want to make it clear that I am not ascribing those characteristics to the people in the indigenous groups that the words originally applied to in their earlier roots. Of course. So that having been said, 
Um, we talked about the loincloth situation. We talked about the magic belt. In some stories, and I haven't seen this come up in any of the sightings or folktales I was reading, but this is cited on a couple different wikis. In some versions, apparently the Capre has a magical white stone about the size of a quail egg. And if you can obtain it, it grants you wishes. Huh. I don't really know where that comes from. <laughs> Are we sure it's not just a quail egg? <laughs> it might be a quail egg and the Capre just wants it back. <laughs> yeah, it's just a white, it's a white stone that looks like a quail egg. A white, it might just be an egg. But that's its own thing. Possibly. Okay, so Capre... It's pretty little. All right, sorry. That's very little, yeah, <laughs> especially considering how big the Capre is. Like, what? Like, nine feet tall, I think you said at some point, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven to nine feet tall, roughly. That's so tall. <laughs> yeah, right? So, as we get into talking about the behavior of the Capre and stories surrounding the Capre, this is where things start to get a little bit less clear-cut. Because, again, there are people and there are sources that will tell you, like... Oh, the Capre is very, like, I don't want to say benevolent, because it's not. Most people seem to think it's somewhere around, like, neutrality, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, Just hanging out. Most people think that the Capre is sort of, like, neutral trickster with some leanings toward vengefulness when their habitat is destroyed. Right? Which Which makes sense. I can get behind that. There are other people who say that the Capre, like most other folkloric and mythological creatures in this area, are sort of inherently, mm, maybe malevolent is the wrong word, but inherently looking to cause problems. You know? Mm, Okay. So there is some debate about which one of these it is. Most people do seem to agree on, though, that the Capri is at least less malicious than the Mananangal, for example. Okay. It's definitely not on the most predatory end of the spectrum. <laughs> at least I was not say, in... it's, it's hard to beat the, like, literally eating people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Side he don't things. do that. They don't okay. eat people. Um, they do play a lot of pranks on people. One of the powers the Capre has is to make travelers become disoriented and lose their way, um, specifically in the mountains or the woods that the Capre inhabit. But apparently they can do this even to people in their own familiar surroundings. There are stories of people forgetting that they are in their own garden or on their own property. Um, so... (laughs) I feel like this is a pretty universal experience. You ever walk into a room in your house and forget why you went in there? You got a fridge, Capri. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the Dr. Seuss, like, there's a locket in my pocket, like, there's a Capri in your fridge. Doesn't rhyme as well, though. Keep opening it and then closing it and then opening it again. Yeah, well, you know, that's why they clean up for literature. That's showbiz, baby. <laughs> okay, so tell me more. Oh, let's see. What else is there to tell? So disorienting travelers, making them lose their way, confusing them in their own surroundings. Um, There are sort of telltale signs, rustling tree branches in windless areas, um, loud laughter, the smell, seeing smoke coming from the top of a tree. Um, I did mention the big red eyes, right? They're like glowing red eyes that you will sometimes see. Like in the dark of night, if you're walking through, you can sometimes see like glowing red eyes in the Mm treetops. It, do they, like, emit their own light, or is it the situation, like, a cat's eyes reflecting It's light probably, like, a cat's eyes kind of thing. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting and I thought fun is that it's, it's believed that if there's an area in the woods where there are a lot of fireflies, that that's the embers from the Capre's lit cigar. Oh, see that? If I didn't know that this 
story and this creature could go in some very dark directions, I would just hear that and think that is very charming. Yeah, right. I'd be like, oh, that's kind of fun and whimsical and really interesting, and I like that a lot. That's quite sweet, but no, okay. (laughs) Eh, hard to say. But also, be careful with those cigars in the woods. Only you can prevent forest fires. My God. Yeah, seriously. Come on, Capre. And the Capre get, like, pretty vengeful when the tree that they inhabit or they are attached to gets cut down. And I'm thinking, like, does a Capre ever come home and realize that part of the forest has burned down and that it was all their fault? Like, come on. Oh, no. Chill, Capre. That would be awful, though. Oh, that actually just made me very sad. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. Side note, completely understand them being vengeful if you cut down their tree home. Also, I get mad when people cut down forests and I don't even live in one. Yeah, seriously. Someday I might. (laughs) I want that for you. Oh, thank you. So that is sort of the basic overview of the Capre. I'm trying to figure where to go next with this. There is another element sort of of the Capre that we kind of have to talk about here. And this is where it starts to get a little bit problematic, to use a very gentle word. I'm girding myself. Yeah. Um, So the Capre is described most generously as being very romantic, um, oh. in in the sense that they will sometimes fall in love with a human woman and then either befriend them or follow them for possibly the rest of their life. Cool. Yeah. There are stories... Now, okay, again, on the most generous end of the spectrum, there are stories of humans befriending Capre, and I think that's when you get sort of that, like, wish-granting aspect. Like, if you befriend the Capre and maybe acquire the stone that way, you can get wishes. Um, or they are very, like, protective of their friends, their human friends. So, like, it might be an instance where you find yourself, um, being guarded by one of these. Again, those are the generous interpretations. The less kindly interpretations veer toward the Capra being very possessive to the instance that, like, if they're woman that they are in love with takes another lover or is married and they find this out, like, that could end very badly. I know, it's not great. A sigh so big, it could move mountains. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, there are abduction mm-hmm. stories, no. which are not great. Um, and I th- eventually it all sort of ends up falling into this realm of, like, most areas where you have a very strong cultural depiction of, uh, like, otherworldly critters, you end up with this idea that's very similar to fairy lore and common in a lot of other traditions, which is this idea that, like, you can be whisked away to the spirit world, never to return, Mm -hmm. right? So especially with the Capri and their predilection for this sort of um, disorienting ability and this sort of, like, uh, changing the, the environment around you, there is sort of an idea of like, alternate dimensions and, like, crossing the borders between worlds. I actually read a really interesting story on the No Sleep subreddit, which I do not visit very often, but in my research on the Capre, I found an interesting sort of, like, urban Capre story, which was really cool. When worlds collide. (laughs) Yeah, about a person who, like, was in an old apartment building in the city of Manila, I think. And, like, getting lost in their own apartment building because of this Capre, which is really fascinating. I like that. That's very cool. I yeah, don't have a ton of frame of reference for this particular creature. So as you're telling me some of these things about alternate dimensions and disorientation and, like, this sort of weird possessive mm-hmm. kind of affection, 
I really, I'm, I'm almost ashamed of myself to admit this, but do you know where my brain has gone? Where does it go? Have you ever seen the movie Labyrinth? Oh my gosh, I am familiar with it. I actually have not seen Labyrinth, which I'm sure will get me tweeted at by a million people. Okay, so just like... Although my Twitter account's locked right now, so uh, checkmate. For the uninitiated, uh, <laughs> Labyrinth involves... It's it's diff- very different like lore that it's pulling from. It's pulling from like sure. more fey lore. It's a goblin situation. Very, I say that very loosely. Um, a, a young girl, uh, a young woman... Uh, a teenage girl, there we go, um, has her her wishes like for goblins to take her baby brother away because she's annoyed with him because she's a teen. And uh, it happens. The goblins take her baby brother away. And she goes after mm-hmm. t- to find him into the goblin realm and uh, is immediately targeted by the goblin king, Jareth, who has decided he wants to make her his goblin queen and spends a lot of the movie like sort of disorienting and like tricking her through these like different paths and like into these different like traps Mm -hmm. and uh it just made me think of and again they've never spoken at this point so it's this it's a similar kind of dynamic of i I use the word love very loosely here uh because definitely they've never spoken (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and also she's a child that's its own thing it's a they used to air this movie on the disney channel but (laughs) anyway yeah Oh, I knew very many people in, like, middle and high school who were very much, like, wishing to be taken away by Jareth the Goblin King. And that always kind of stressed me out a little. I don't want that, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and all these fine people and pretend that the sight of David Bowie in those very, very, very tight pants carrying a riding crop as a Goblin King didn't awaken some things in a young Addison. But I did not... No, and that's totally... That's totally fine. And the problem is that so much, like, media portrays that kind of dynamic in a favorable or at least intriguing way that, like, it was not unusual for middle school girls to think that was a fun, sexy, romantic concept. Mm -hmm. The problem is that it's just not. It is not. Like, I think my what I'm about to say, my point that I actually was going to get into a minute later is, it's okay if you would if you would like to be whisked away to the spirit realm or to the fairy world. Things are kind of rough right now, and I understand that we all kind of want to get away. But mm-hmm. I just want to, I just, you know, if you're going to be whisked away to the fairy world or the spirit realm or what have you, if, if you can arrange that in a consensual way, then more power to you. But also, I'm not sure what age of consent is in the spirit realm. I get the feeling it's like four, but um, please make sure that according to your own local bylaws, mm-hmm. you are uh, you are in, in enacting a smart decision. Exactly. I'm just saying, listen, hey, hey, everybody, listen, I'm going to turn my chair around and sit on it backwards like a cool guidance counselor. Are you listening? Are you ready? If your cool fairy partner wants to take you away to the spirit realm... Just make sure that you really want that, too. Don't let them pressure you into it. And definitely don't let them surprise you in the dead of night and have you awaken to a world that seems like your own but is not quite right. Uh, Just, you know, talk these things out. We all want to get away sometimes. And maybe, you know what, maybe you can work out something where you do a Persephone about it and you live in the spirit realm half the year, you come back the other half. I don't know. I'm not in your... And the bottom line is if they are pressuring you to make this decision in a way that involves not telling anybody close to you, then chances are it's not a good dynamic. Exactly. Like, I'm just middle looking... of the night, if they, if they can't compromise on the middle of the night part, then you may have some problems. If they can arrange, like, a, sure, like, take me away to the spirit realm, but can we do, like, 3 p.m. tomorrow so I have time to pack my stuff? 
Oh my god. I'm going to I'm going to send everybody a Facebook invite to a going away party for me before I leave this mortal before coil I leave behind. The spirit realm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? That's how you know that it's like an above board decision. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, if you're if you're not allowed to talk to anybody first, chances are you shouldn't be doing it. And uh, there is no such thing as a healthy relationship comprised of a uh, mystical creature and a woman they have never spoken to before. Yeah, exactly. Someday, hopefully someday very soon, we will have a dating app that transcends those boundaries oh and lets God. you converse first. As soon as it happens, I don't know who's developing it. I would love to beta test. Please send it my way. The instant it happens, this podcast is over, and I just hope everyone That's knows. true, because I will be leaving. I will be leaving Earth. <laughs> I know this. Please just invite me to your going away party, okay? Of course. Okay. Naturally. Thank you. So We'll have um, fairy cakes, but I'm bummed shit. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Can we have fairy bread, which I hear is actually fairly disappointing? It's literally sprinkles on bread. I know. It looks like it would be so good because it's colorful, but I bet it doesn't taste egg anything. It's sprinkles on bread. I bet it tastes like bread and sugar. I know. Our Australian listeners are going to yell at me. Most Australian people I've ever talked to, like, think it's dumb and complain about it. So, okay, so I fair. Know. I like Vegemite, It guys. might be pretty polarizing. I like Vegemite. Don't yell at me. You don't have to pander. I do like Vegemite. It tastes like a bouillon cube. Okay. That's cool and fun. That's exactly what I look for in a food. Tastes like a bouillon cube. It's like Anyway. A- okay. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to guard against a Capri instead of just generally any sort of predatory relationship, which is what this has turned into in the second half, Mm -hmm. um, there are a few tips and tricks you can follow. All right, tell me more. Uh, So one way to protect against getting lost in a forest by intervention of the Capri is to wear your shirt inside out. So if you are walking around in the forest and you find yourself getting hopelessly lost or passing the same landmark over and over and over and over again, um, pull off your shirt, turn it inside out, put it back on. You should be good to go. And good news, you'll also get a snow day at school. (laughs) Exactly right. Only if you sleep in it, though. It's got to be pajamas. True. Side note, would you call these perhaps survival tips, Alex? I would consider this to be a survival tip yeah and we'll get to some stories after this but the stories might make some of the uh some of the stories will make more sense after you know the survival tips so that's the first survival tip okay second survival tip um just generally speaking follow like standard folkloric creature etiquette so if you think you are passing through an area where capre or others might be present ask their permission Particularly if you're walking underneath, like, a giant tree and you think, hmm, this looks like a Capri tree, um, ask for permission to pass his tree. Okay. And then you should be fine. And there are other stories that I've seen where people just, like, strike up dialogue with them. And, like, you may not get an answer, but just, like, when you go out into that area of the forest, just say, like, hey, good morning. Hope you're doing well today. Is it cool if I pass under your tree? Thank you so much. That kind of a thing. I like that. That's polite. Also, like most nature spirits or elementals in general, um, respect their environment and your chances of respecting them by proxy are much, much higher. So don't litter around the tree. Um, keep it very chill. Capri apparently don't like loud noise. So keep it kind of quiet. Don't go like shouting and partying through the forest in the middle of the night. Just, you know, it's chill hours. Yeah, just be okay. I mean, it's always chill hours, but it's always chill hours. Just like be cool. Yeah, just be cool for, like, a second. Be respectful. Yeah. All of this sounds very reasonable to me, actually. I think so. Yeah, generally. Basically, like, 
most of it's stuff that you would see on a sign at your local park when you go to go hiking there or camping. It would be like no uh, over the top loud noises, like no littering, take only pictures, leave only footprints, etc., etc. That seems like a pretty good philosophy to carry with you in general. Mm-hmm. Not just because of threat of Capre uh, attack right. or whatever. All right. Now, um, I do want to get into some sightings. And before mm. I do that, I just want to say there are quite a few sightings of Capre that you can find on the internet. So if you're looking into that, by all means, like, check out some more. They're interesting. But again, please be very careful when you are looking up Capre stories because a lot of them are troubling. Oh, right. Uh, troubling in which way? Troubling in the initial way you gave a content warning for or troubling in the racism way? Uh, no, very specifically in the first way I was giving a content warning for. The, okay. the the racist way doesn't actually come up in anything other than the origins of the term itself. So I guess let's go into that a little bit just so that we can okay. contextualize it. So the original word capre comes from, um, I think, the word kafir, which meant like a non-believer in Islam originally. And at the time mm. the word was coming into use, it was referring to the people in that area who were... Um, these refer to dark-skinned, non-Islamic, um, I don't know the word, but there were there were people populating the area where this was coming into usage um, that were not of the same ethnic group. I have also seen some speculation that it was during Spanish colonization of the Philippines where the mythology was sort of heightened to spread around and prevent the people there from assisting escaped African slaves. So basically, oh. the idea is that they spread these, like, rumors and these stories in order to, like, sow discord, basically, and, and create mm -hmm. fear if you saw someone hiding out in the forest, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that is not great. That That's the origin of, like, where this term probably comes from where, like, capre itself as a word and where the idea of the creature comes from. I've not seen anything in any of the sightings I've read that plays into those in a particular way. Most stories have to deal with them being invisible, so you don't really get any of the characteristics described in any way that has anything to do with that. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's just the original terminology and the evolution of the term in general is not awesome. Well, thank you for the content added context. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, and again, I'm not doing a fantastic job explaining it. It's kind of like the word came from earlier words that passed through several different layers of, as you often get with colonization, um, several different layers of cross-linguistic evolution. And so Capri itself, to the best of my knowledge, literally just means, like, this creature. That word really only means that. But the words that it comes from and the evolutionary context of it has some different meanings to it. Okay. Again, I'm not, I'm not the expert on this, so if somebody tweets at me and says, that's totally wrong, take this episode down, I will gladly do that. <laughs> um, I'm just saying that, to the best of my understanding, that's where the word sort of originated. Okay. Cool. Talking about sightings. Yes. Tell me some sightings. So here, from a website called mancaculum.com, which is Filipino folklore, mythology, creatures, and monsters, there is sort of a general story about, like, the capre and how those encounters usually go. This page is, I believe, translated into English, so um, some of the grammar might be a little bit unconventional, but we're just going to go for it. There are many stories about capre. 
different version based on what they have experienced. Living in a cave, forest, or in big trees, Capri are bigger and taller than the ordinary man. There was a story of a woman who had an experience with All a right, Capri yeah. and a Bicol. It was an ordinary day. A man came to their house in the forest, an angelic, good-looking guy. She had a conversation with him. The Capri kept on inviting her to go with him. The first few times, she refused. But then one day, she finally agreed. The woman said they went to a place they called a paradise. It was her soul which was gone with him, and her body was left unconscious and sick. They both traveled to the Capri's world. He treated her with all the kindness. She never saw a place this beautiful in her entire life. One thing that got her attention was there was food everywhere. He even gave her a ring. The man kept on offering food to her, wanting her to eat, but she refused. Now, you, Addison, are probably picking up on this. Like in many instances of um, even different theologies or mythologies or, or cultural storytelling, um, accepting food in any sort of spirit realm is usually a big no-no. Yep, don't eat the food. That's mm-hmm. in fairy lore. That's in the Persephone yep. story. That is exactly. all over the place. Don't you do it. So so similarly here, it's believed that if you accept the offer and eat their food, uh, the Capra can finally take you and you can no longer come back. She saw an unusual kind of food that was all black, and this is the food he wanted her to eat. Still, she never touched or ate the food he was offering. Then suddenly he got angry. He was furious, and from a sweet man, he transformed into a monstrous evil and let her ah. go. That's a familiar old story, right? Uh-huh. Oh, do you mean in a folklore way or in a real-life way? <laughs> just just in general. Back home, uh, her own, yeah. rejecting a man and then he turns into a monster is a pretty common... Uh, Weird. Yeah. The amount of, like, mm, no thank you, followed by, well, you're ugly. Um, yeah, is... literally. Anyway, back home, her unconscious body was ill and modern medicine was unable to cure her. They even thought that she might have already been dead. But through the help of a healer, he drove away the capre by performing a ceremony, ritual, and food offering. Which comes up again and again in a few other stories. Typically, there's a case of something happens, um, the person who has been victim of a capre encounter falls very ill, and then through the presence of a local healer, they are restored to normal. Sometimes it's almost kind of an exorcism-type ritual. Uh, Sometimes there ends up being, like, a very formalized ritualistic ceremony that has to happen. Other times it seems to be a much more subtle type of change than that, which is interesting because there are some people who seem to speculate that Capre are fallen angels. Oh. Which is just kind of an interesting connection that I found in a few of these stories. Wait, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know that sometimes you see that, um, that actually, not to keep bringing it back to, like, fairy lore, but that is, like, my, more my, my cultural base, like, with, I have Irish heritage, yeah, et cetera. You see that kind of language pop up in fairy lore sometimes, too. Yeah, a lot of the time. The fallen angel idea. I just think that's, huh, that's really fascinating. Okay, sorry to interrupt. No, you're totally fine. That's the end of that, like, sort of generic story. So, like I said, that is... Yeah, don't be sorry. No, that's that's kind of like the base legend, right? Right. Okay, here's a more specific one. Um, and this one is less specific and personal in nature. So this one is just a little bit more like, oh, I think we encountered a Capri outside in the woods. This is what happened. Gimme. I used to live within my grandmother's house, and there were a lot of talks about that creature, the Capre, residing on a tree across her property, which is inside the yard of our distant relative. That's a confusing sentence. I'm not entirely sure how to parse it, but there it is. 
Speculation surfaced that a specific scent at night is a sign of its existence, but I wasn't contented. I thought that specific scent was caused by the ducks where the tree was, but I had proven myself wrong since I was there almost every day. That tree was close enough to a chapel, and every Sunday, young acolytes would wake up at four or five in the morning to sound the church bell. One of them panicked as he was about to do his task. He saw this, quote-unquote, huge furry man smoking a cigar while seated on the stairs of a house in front of the suspected tree. Years passed by, words of mouth about that creepy tree never faded. But after a while, it hit us, he wasn't there anymore. Maybe because the kids in that house were already grown-ups. The absence of that scent tells me that he left, until one night that smell came back, but this time in one of my friend's houses. Trees surround their house. Perfect for his kingdom, I thought. <laughs> Which is, like, a fun phrase. I really think he doesn't stay in just one place. He moves from one tree to another when he needs to. Whenever I walk near that place, I have this feeling that someone is looking at me. Not just me, but most people who often take that route right in front of my friend's house. Goosebumps and strange movements and noise were often credited to the Capra's existence, but I certainly think that he exists among us. They aren't just myths, but part of our society, and they mean no harm on humans. They are real. Wow. Oh my god. That's one take on it. Yeah. Well, they mean no harm on humans. I like that. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. know if it's true. <laughs> yeah. I like thinking that they're benevolent, but... I want to be an optimist. It gets harder with every passing day. That's mm -hmm. its own conversation. Uh, yeah. But it's nice to live in that space for a little while. <laughs> it's, it's a nice dream to have. It's nice to play there. Okay, first others here. Other encounters with the Capre. This comes from philippine-tales.com. Uh, encounters with the Capre. There were numerous accounts of Capre encounters in the Philippines. Perhaps the most famous of them all is the Capre named Mr. Brown. It is believed that Mr. Brown started to reside in a century-old banyan tree in the Malacanang Palace since the American occupation in the Philippines. That's why they called him Mr. Brown. It was an anglicization. Uh, this tree, okay. which dates back to the 1800s, was declared a heritage tree under the DENR's Heritage Tree Program. According to Miguel Perez Rubio, Malacanang's Tree of Protocol, Mr. Brown often plays simple tricks on people, like sudden tripping on wires, but nothing serious. He said he is used to sending out greetings like, Good morning, Mr. Brown, or How are you, Mr. Brown, in order to avoid Mr. Brown's playful tricks. Aw. Which is kind of nice, right? Be polite to your neighbors. Yeah, right? All right. Um, here oh, is me. another one, which I will censor a bit as we go through. Okay. So, um, just be aware of that. Okay. This is an encounter that's related roughly from the perspective of a pastor, um, and it involves one of those sort of more, like, exorcist-type encounters. So. Mm-hmm. Unlike other tales of Capri encounters, Pastor Pangalinan's story possesses much gravity. He believes in the existence of Capres and other Filipino spirit creatures because he has come to wage spiritual battles against these entities, which are thought to be only mythical or legendary creatures in Philippine folklore. According to him in his book, his first encounter with a Capri was an eye-opener to him, and the story goes like this. This pastor was called by a garment factory owner to seek help because one of her female employees started, started exhibiting strange behavior and unbelievable strength. When he went to the factory, he saw a woman being restrained by eight people, two people holding each of her limbs. If they let her loose, she will only cause chaos in the workplace. Which, like, same, but... <sighs> According to the woman's colleagues, before this incident, they saw the female employee talking to someone outside the window, but couldn't see anyone there. Then she went unconscious. According to eyewitnesses, she seemed to lay down slowly on the garment cutting table, and then... Um, 
some invisible force appeared to be manipulating her clothing. Whoa. The pastor started performing the deliverance of the woman. He spoke directly to the entity inside her, and it revealed itself as Capre, with a large male voice, obviously not that of the woman. Shocked of his first encounter, he continued with his battle. The Capre said that it lives in the tree outside the window near the woman's workstation. It has observed the woman for a long time now and has come to love her, and that is why it is currently present. Um, in Jesus' name, I command you to leave this woman, said the pastor, and upon using more spiritual weapons, he succeeded in forcing the Capre out of the woman after a long battle that lasted five hours. Oh my god. Yeah. I didn't know there was... Has there been any mention of, like, any sort of possession aspect before this? This is the only story I found that in. So that particular aspect only really seemed to show up in that way. Now, granted, it is sometimes hard to distinguish because they are invisible, right? So Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to make a distinction sometimes between, like, a human body acting strangely on its own versus, like, an outside force acting on it or moving it in ways, right? Right. So, um, there are some other stories that are just a little bit more generic in nature. Most of the stories about close encounters with Capres involve pranks played by Capres on humans. Um, an example is not too long ago, and I don't know what that means according to this website, (laughs) but not too long ago, a dozen mountain climbers climbing a mountain in a scenic Philippine province became disoriented, thus losing sense of their direction. They decided to leave marks on the trails that they'd already passed, only to find themselves passing back that same place over and over again. Until a local man about 70 years old that lives near the mountain heard their call and helped them by reciting a prayer and a ritual that pays homage and respect to the Capres, asking them to stop the pranks being played on the mountain climbers. After a few minutes, the climbers went on with their downward trek and were able to find the right place to lowland again. So those are very pleasant, right? Those are fine. Yeah. That's like, yeah, respect your surroundings, respect the nature, respect the beings that occupy this space, and then you're Absolutely. fine. Absolutely. I was going to... I was going to ask what kind of pranks they do. <laughs> yeah, it's so. mostly the disorienting people kind of situation. Mm-hmm. That's not, like, really a prank, but I'll let it slide. Yeah. Yeah, prank is kind of, um, <laughs> it's like they don't really know what the word prank means. Like, it's not like they put, like, a bucket of water on their tree branch and when someone walks under, they dump it on them. Like, that's a prank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just making people get lost in the woods. Like, they can do that on their own. Yeah. But also, I don't particularly want to get any vengeance sought on me so i'm gonna go ahead and just say sure that's a prank hard same um the last one i have here i am not going to read on this podcast you can go find it yourself if you're interested it's on the unexplained mysteries forum okay just give you a short overview it's from april of 2006 the story is posted from someone who is australian and went to uh the philippines for the first time with her boyfriend who is filipino and they took their four-year-old daughter now, the narrator says that she had heard stories about the Capre, among others, that had haunted his, the boyfriend's family's lot for years, but never believed them. Which is, you know, how every spooky story starts, and every, like, narration, anonymous narration on a forum ever about anything supernatural gets off to its start. Basic line of this story is that they stayed in the family's home um, on their second week there. They put their daughter to sleep upstairs and then stayed downstairs doing something. About a half an hour later, the daughter started screaming. Um, they went upstairs to talk to her. The daughter ended up describing a scenario that led them to believe that it was a capre. Um, the daughter fell ill. They brought in a witch doctor. The daughter was healed and back to 
fighting fit the next day, but that was sort of the encounter. Woof. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, that's intense. Okay. It's a pretty intense sighting. So again, I don't recommend looking it up if you um, are at all troubled, even by that sort of general overview, because it does not get any better. No, I imagine it doesn't. No, it definitely does not. But thank you for the heads up. And thank you for the overview, too. It's sort of um, not the same, but it's like uh, it's a bit reminiscent of when people read the Wikipedia summaries for horror movies because they know they don't have the stomach to watch them. Oh, literally, that's me. I knew if I had just like mentioned the troubling aspects of this, like if it had been me listening and I heard somebody say like, oh, yeah, this creature like gets pretty bad in ways that I'm not going to describe. And I would be like, cool. Now I have to go look it up. So... Mm -hmm. Because otherwise my brain will just keep cycling and inventing stuff that's way worse than the actual fact. Um, so I did want to at least give like an overview of what to expect there. Because again, I, I don't want people going and looking this up totally unaware of what they're getting. Just because, yeah, just because it's enticing to hear someone say, it's really bad, don't look. Yeah, you exactly. always look. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. So this is very, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, so that's basically the Capre. Again, ranges from, like, harmless forest trickster to, like, predator in a very bad way. Um, the one thing I did want to point out just at the end here kind of as a, as a just funny thing to me is that if you look on the cryptids wiki, one of the things it tells you is uh -huh. that, um, according to some experiences, the Capre have moved on from smoking cigars to drinking beer, <laughs> which, like... Good for them. Good for them, I guess. I'm glad that they're getting with the times. Cigars are kind of outdated. A nice honestly, IPA is where it's at now. Honestly, Alex, I really thought for just the briefest, the briefest of moments that you were going to tell me that they jewel that now. That they jewel. <laughs> Capri's vape now. But they use a cigar-flavored, like, vape juice, so it still has the same oh smell. Oh my god, I hate that. Right, so you can still smell them. Yeah, so you can still smell the cigar <laughs> smoke, but it's... Hi, I hate everything about that. But it's safer for the forests because nothing's on fire. When are we gonna? When are we gonna get the witch cryptid vapes, like f devoted fan site? I feel like if we did that, we would enter into some very murky legal territory. I also feel like if we did that, um, the podcast as we know it would be over. It would. Cease it would to only exist. be vape jokes. And also, again, I don't want to go legally toe-to-toe -to -toe with the McElroy family. I don't have the money for that. Yeah, no, I'm not even sure we're legally allowed to say their name on this podcast. I'll bleep it out. No. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, man. So, yeah, so that's the cap, right? It's that end of the episode time. You got any announcements for me, my dude? I do. Um, first of all, thank you so much to everybody who tuned into the 24-hour Lunar Light Studio um, fundraising Twitch stream. That was a lot of fun. I know I was on at the least gamer hours of them all, which was on purpose on my end. Um, but thank you so much if you tuned in at any point during the stream. Um, I ended up raising over $2,000 for the Pride Center of New Jersey, which is really, really cool. It's so amazing. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, and like I said, we had a great time. I streamed Gone Home. I did a complete run through of Gone Home. And then um, we played Stardew Valley for a bit. And that was nice. Like I said, I was on at like 6am. So if you are um, a gamer of any variety, you were not awake with me. But that was fine by me. But we had a good time. Uh, it was really nice. And then there is also still, I think until the end of this month or next, I don't remember, there is a special edition um, Pride t-shirt you can get 
which I will grab the link and put it in the description for you, but it's really cute. It's the Lunar Light Studio logo with um, the pride flag on it, and it, the proceeds from that also go to the Pride Center as well. So if you're interested in supporting that cause, it's a really, really excellent one. Um, the Pride Center in New Jersey provides all sorts of not only reproductive services, um, they also have totally free of charge menstrual care products, and they offer um, clothing options that are maybe more gender affirming for people that don't have that option anywhere else. So a lot of really fantastic services that go even above and beyond typical like reproductive care. Hell yeah. Um, which is really, really fantastic. They're just an incredible resource, and it's a safe space for younger people who identify under the LGBTQ umbrella to hang out, meet people, um, and express themselves in ways that are maybe more comfortable for them that they can't do outside of the Pride Center. So really, really excellent cause. Hell yeah. I'm so excited that we, by which I mean you, got to be a part of that. Yeah. Awesome. Also, uh, in case I didn't hit this point hard enough at the top of the episode, we're going to be in Chicago. Yeah, we're straight up going to be there in it doing, doing our this thing. Doing our inaugural live show. If you want to see what it looks like. Completely wild. When we do this show, but without Val there to cut out the nonsense parts. <laughs> it's all nonsense. Oops, all nonsense. Let's go. Oops, all bits. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but no, I am very excited. I, uh, I know we're doing kind of a hodgepodge sort of episode, like a combination of uh, listener stories and a few other little like micro topics. And I'm very excited. Yeah, uh, it's going to be really fantastic. Yes. So if you haven't already gotten your ticket and you are... Um, and you are available to attend the show. Perhaps you live in the Chicago area or perhaps you're going to be in the Chicago area. There are some tickets left. You can get them online. Uh, what? Where's the link again, Alex? You can go directly to bit.ly slash cryptcamlive. C-R-Y-P-T-C-A-M-L-I-V-E. That's right. Um, and again, we will be featuring listener stories in our live show. We will be giving preference to listener stories from people who will be in the audience. So if you have one, please, by all means, send it to us. We have at least one really interesting one already that I got yes. just a couple days ago. I don't know if and you saw note, it. It is wild. If you want to make sure that we see those, like even if it's a listener story you've already sent us and we haven't covered and you're going to be at the live show, resend yeah, it to us. just like, yeah. With like a, the subject line, uh, live show listener story. Yes, please do that. We would love to feature it. We would love to meet you. It would be super cool. Yes. Um, I will try to have some merch available for sale at the live show. I don't know yet what I will be able to pack, but I will see. This is fair. If, however, you already have some merch of yours that you want us to sign or something, um, please bring it. We'll definitely spend some time after the show um, catching up with people, shaking hands, taking selfies, whatever oh, yeah. it is that people do after podcast live shows. This is our very first There's one. Like a little, so. This venue has like a little bar area. Yeah, it's, it's like a good really nice venue. Um, stage 77. Stage 773. Well, I think it's um, right off Belmont, so it should be pretty easy yes. to get to by public transportation. And um, there is a beautiful little bar area in the lobby, like wonderful seating. Um, the theater that we're in is really intimate and totally adorable. So I'm very excited. All right. Yeah, I'm so stoked. Um, like I said, we will not have a new episode out next Sunday because we will still be in Chicago. Uh, mm hmm. But uh, we'll try to have that live episode recorded and up for you as soon as we can. And if you're going to be there, like, can't wait to see you. This is so exciting. This really snuck up on me. I'm going to pee my pants. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> not at the show. Just on my own Thank time. Thank you. I won't do that to you. In the privacy of my own home. <laughs> in the privacy of my own home, I will pee in my pants. All right. So anyway, um, on that note, as always... We hope we can keep you around.
and stay safe out there. Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.